Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. So what we're going to do, if you want to open your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 5, and verse number 16, and we're going to read that verse together, and then we're going to, uh, really what this, what tonight is, is, um, I'm going to call it the fervent prayer model, or we're going to pray the book of James, all right, not, anybody's like, that's a long book, we're not going to pray every verse, we're going to pray the themes of the book of James, so let's look at James 5 and 16, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. So that is, now what we're going to do is we're going to take that word fervent, and we're going to use it as an acrostic or an acronym, and we're going to uh, pray through the book of James. So first of all, we're going to kind of do a zoom in uh, on this to where we get to the word fervent. So we're going to start from the very wide-angle lens, and we're going to look at the book of James. First of all, the book of James is one of the 66 inspired, uh, infallible, inerrant books of the Bible, one of 66. Most believe that the identity of the writer of the book was James, the half-brother of Jesus. There are many James throughout the Scripture. Um, You know, when you read a person, you know, like a name like James or even John, there are Many different people by that name, so you got to kind of study in to know which one you're talking about. The book of James is often referred to as the New Testament book of Proverbs due to its practical focus. It's a book that deals with wisdom, on getting wisdom, and uh, it, it's very practical, very practical focus. Many of the same topics that Solomon addressed for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, James addresses now for the New Testament church. For example, Solomon talked a lot about uh, controlling our tongue. Well, James also addresses that, all right? So there, and, and that's just one example. There are many that we could look at. Uh, looking again at just the broad view of the book of James, James is addressing a church that is in the midst of intense persecution. In fact, the, one of the main ways that we're able to understand that the author of this book is James, the half-brother of Jesus, and not James, the son of Zebedee, which was the brother of John, is because that James had already been martyred by the time we got, he had been executed by the sword. So we can summarize by that that it wasn't him writing this book. So as this book is being written, Christians are being fed to lions, their bodies are being used as torches to light the streets of the cities, among various other forms of gruesome killings that are taking place. All right, and if we look in James chapter 1, verse 2, So if you just kind of want to keep your Bible open to the book of James, um, James 1 and 2 just says, kind of summarizing that point of the setting that this book is being written in. It says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. All right, now that word temptation there isn't, uh, it, it isn't talking about joy when you're tempted to look at something on your computer that you shouldn't look at. It's not saying, hey, be happy about that temptation. That's not what it's talking about. It's not ta- talking about counting it joy when the, 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 the clerk at the, you know, the cash register gives you $20 too much and you're, you know, you're walking out the door. Don't, it's not saying count that joy, that temptation as to whether I take the money back or keep it for myself. All right? No, it's, it's talking about the test of faith. All right? And, and have you know that our faith is tested when things happen in our lives that we may not understand why God's doing it. And we can look at it and we don't understand, God, how are you using That's what James 1 and 2 is talking about. It's talking about the test of faith. And I'm sure when you're seeing people that are preaching the name of Jesus, that are doing miracles, and then the next thing you know they're being fed to lions. People that are standing up for the word of God, and the next thing you know they're being placed inside of a hollowed out log and sawn in half. Their bodies are being used to, as torches to light the streets of the city. And he, he is saying to them, hold on to your faith. Hold on to your faith. I know that you don't 
understand what's going on, but count it all joy. What he's saying is hold on to your faith when things are happening, when your faith is being tested and tried. Because God is using even persecution to bring about good. So James chapter 1, let's very quickly go through the, the now we're going to zoom in a little bit closer. James chapter 1 can be summarized as a chapter that encourages us to put our faith to the test. All right, James is saying this isn't supposed to be safe. All right, if you've really got faith, faith isn't going to be tested from your basement hiding from what's going on in the world around you. Faith is going to be tested when you get out there into it. Amen. I, don't, I think that applies in today's culture. All right, people are being tempted. I'm just going to hide out at home and let this thing pass. Well, that faith, you got to put, for it to really be faith, you got to let it be tested. Second chapter, James chapter 2 calls the reader to consider the danger of sin and once again touches on the fact that faith that is not put into action is not faith at all. Chapter 3, James chapter 3 contrasts godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. By looking at the source of both, right? One comes from the world, one comes from above, and the fruit of each. All right, so again, we're, we're kind of, again, there you, I know if you read through those chapters, there are other ideas that you're going to come across, but the big idea of those chapters, James chapter 4, the big idea of James chapter 4, it is an appeal to those that have been following the wisdom of the world to turn away from the wisdom of the world and follow the wisdom of God. And then in, in the final chapter, James chapter 5, there are two very distinct themes that are shared. First of all, he addresses the rich within the church that have oppressed the poor that are in the church. All right, He says you're ignoring the poor. You are using the poor to build up your wealth in the church. All right, And then secondly, he turns his attention to the church and encourages them to stand in patience for the coming of the Lord is near. What is he doing? He's stirring their faith. He tells them that this is how the believers are going to make it through tribulation of the world, how the church makes it through unjust oppression. How do we do that? Well, and, and it's in this context. Now, I've, I'm trying to go quick because I've told you 30 minutes, give or take a couple. So I've, we've zoomed out. This, this book, the great context of James, it's being written in the midst of persecution. All right, it, it's, it's being written... Uh, to, to stir the faith of, of people. And, and how, do, how do we make it through persecution? And, and I think we, we need to pay attention. And, and as the church, in the modern church, I know we're not there yet. We're not there, and by the grace of God, we, we may not have to go through that. But, but things are moving in that direction. All right, the church, we're, we're, facing, we're facing more scrutiny from the world around us today. And so we need to pay attention. How do we make it through that? Well, here's how you make it. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, we, here's how we make it. We pray the prayer of faith. And that prayer of faith accomplishes much, right? The effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. In the midst of tribulation, what do we do? We pray the prayer of faith. In the midst of oppression, how do we make it through that? We pray the prayer of faith. In the midst of the trials of our faith, how do we make it through that? We pray the prayer of faith. When things are going on around us that we don't understand, how do we make it through that? We pray the prayer of faith. And then at the conclusion of verse 16, James, again writing the proverb of the New Testament, wisdom. That's the essence of Proverbs of the Old and the New Testament. Wisdom from above. The book of wisdom for the New Testament church. Providing practical wisdom for the kind of prayer that is going to be needed for us to make it. The kind of prayer that we're going to have to pray when our faith is being tested. When we witness around us unjust acts taking place. When we witness oppression taking place. When there is sickness that is going on within the church. When there are those that have given in to the weakness of the flesh and committed sin. James is saying this is wisdom. This is how you make it through those things. The effectual fervent prayers of the righteous man availeth much. That's how we make it through this time. The effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. And so I want to use the word, bless you, the word fervent as an acrostic for which we will make a model of prayer. All right? But the underlying, before we get into the acrostic, first we need to understand the type of prayer that, that is going to help us through this time. Okay? Notice it doesn't say the passive prayer of the righteous. 
God doesn't say the, the calm meditations of the righteous. Anybody want to tell me what kind of prayer it says? Fervent. On, on fire. Passionate prayer. That's the kind of prayer that it's going to take to make it through times where we look around us and we don't understand why, we're, why, why are we going through what we're going through. When we look at things that are going on and we question, how is this bringing up about the will of God in my life? How are we going to make it through that? Through fervent prayer. Fervent. Everybody say fervent. What, do we, what kind of prayer do we need when we come together as a church? Fervent prayer. Okay, not, not sometimes, not a lot of the times. We need fervent prayer every time we come together. So first of all, the underlying type of prayer that we need in this time is, is fervent prayer. Now the word fervent that is used there uh, is an adjective to describe the type of prayer that avails much. And the phrase availeth much simply means it accomplishes much. All right, If you put a, 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 a ribeye steak in front of me, I'm going to avail much. I'm going to accomplish much. I'm going to leave you with, if there's a, bo- a bone in that steak, that's all that's going to be left when I get done. All right, because I, I, I'm, I'm going to avail, I'm going to accomplish a lot. All right, and, and that's what it's saying. Fervent prayer gets a lot done. It accomplishes much. So that's what the phrase availeth much. But the word fervent, which is an adjective to describe the type of prayer that is able to accomplish it. So there's not every kind of prayer is going to accomplish a lot. Not every kind of prayer is going to get you when you're looking around you and persecution is coming against the church. Not every kind of prayer is going to get you through that. There's only one kind of prayer, and that's fervent prayer. And that word fervent comes from the Greek word energeo, which hopefully I don't have to tell you what English word we get from that. Okay, hopefully you guys are maybe uh, you know, phonically inclined enough to figure out energy. That's where we get the word energy, okay, which energy is passion. All right? Energy is enthusiasm. Energy is zeal. Energy is life. Okay, so there is a time for meditation. There is a time for meditating on the Word of God. There is a time for quiet communication. There is a time for, you know, just kind of between you and God, quietly expressing things to God and thanking Him for things. But when there is oppression coming in against the church, when, when we're working with people that are following after the wisdom of the world and trying to get them to turn back to the wisdom of God, there is, there's only one kind of prayer that accomplishes much when we're in that environment, and it is... Fervent prayer. Somebody say fervent with some fervency. Thank you, man. All right, that feels better. Fervent. Now I think you guys understand what fervent feels like. That's the attitude behind this prayer that we've got to pray. So now we're going to break this down into an acrostic. First is the letter F, and that is forgive. All right, forgive. James chapter 5, verses 9 through 11 is where I'm drawing that from, so I'm just going to read this to you right now for the sake of time. Genesis 5, verses 9 through 11. It says, grudge not one against another. Brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. So he's talking about This is right after he's talked about uh, those within the church that are wealthy, that are oppressing the poor. And now he's addressing the poor and saying, don't hold a grudge. Okay, He's also talking to people that are are, are living in the midst of persecution. And he said, let the prophets be your example. They suffered, and yet they were patient. They didn't have a grudge even against the world that was persecuting them. Going on to verse 11, behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So the first letter here that we're going to pray here in just a minute is grudge not. What does that mean? Forgive. Grudge not means don't hold a grudge. What does that mean? That you can't, you can't hold an offense against somebody. How many of you ever been hurt in the church? Anybody ever been offended by somebody in the church? Anybody ever been offended by the guy that's talking to you right now? All right? It's Okay. Because it's probably reciprocal sometimes, okay? But guess what? I can't hold a grudge. Okay, In these times, fervent prayer begins with forgiveness. Fervent prayer begins with me emptying out my spirit of offense at the world around me and at the church within. I can't be offended within or without. I have to get rid of the grudge. The first thing that we got to do is forgive. Okay, then that, that's, that's right 101. Jesus 
The disciples said, Jesus teaches how to pray. He said, all right, then here's the first way you need to pray is forgive us as we forgive. Right? Forgive those who trespass against us. So the first point is forgive. He is addressing those that have been oppressed, telling them those that have been offended, don't hold a grudge. Okay? If, if somebody in this church has offended you, you need to, you need to forgive them. All right, you, you need to pray. When we start praying here in a minute, that's the, because the Bible says this. If you come down to the altar and you, you're going to leave a gift there, but your heart isn't right and you've got an offense against a brother, first thing you need to do, take your gift with you and go make it right, then come back to the altar. Okay, the gift, all the gifts mean nothing if we've got bitterness in our heart. Okay, so all the prayer we're going to pray, all the prayer ensuing after this means nothing if we're holding on to a grudge, if we're offended at either the world or the church, if we're offended, okay? Bottom line is, whether it's from within or without, grudge not. Tell your neighbor, grudge not. Next is E, expressing gratitude unto God. All right, thanksgiving, if, but it, it starts with a T, so it didn't fit into my acrostic, so I just kind of stretched it out a little bit. Express gratitude unto God. So let's go to James chapter 1. Verses 2 and 3, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. All right? So in other words, God is using what I'm going through to help me grow. He's saying you, you need to be thankful unto God that what you're going through is helping you to grow. Amen? That, that he's, he says that, that that test of your faith is working patience, and that patience he goes on and says, is helping to me to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Or in other words, what this persecution, this testing of my faith, is helping me to become, is, is that not our goal? To be, now I, th- I know we think our goal is to be comfortable. That's not. Our goal is not to be comfortable. Our goal is to become complete. My goal is to become everything that God created me to be. My goal is to become mature. Amen. Not, not to I know Brother Sylvia, I walked in, he said it's 62 on one side and 66 on the other. All right, everybody drifted toward the 66. That's a little bit more comfortable. Right? We want comfort, but, but that's not the goal. The goal is not comfort. The goal is to be made complete. So the first thing I'm going to do when I begin to pray un- under this second point here is, God, thank you. Thank you because everything that I'm going through in my life right now, you have ordained it. You put it there to help me to become complete in you. Amen. James 1 and 17. Let's go a little bit further on this idea of thanksgiving. Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness nor shadow of every good and perfect gift. That home you live in came from God. That car you drove up in tonight came from God. That food you ate before you got here, you're going to eat when you leave here. Guess where that came from? God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So after I get grudge out of my spirit, after I forgive those that have offended me, now I'm opened up to say, God, thank you, because every good thing in my life came from you. Those relationships that make me a better person, they came from you. Did you know that? Every person in this room, you wouldn't be here if God didn't place you in here so you could be connected to the body. Let's go on. James 3, verses 17 and 18. Here's something else we need to be thankful for. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make, uh, uh, in, in peace, of them that make peace. We're going to revisit that in a minute. But thank you, God, for wisdom that comes from above. Thank you, God, for wisdom. And all, all those attributes that are listed there we're going to talk about in a minute. But, but God, thank you. Thank you for all the attributes of wisdom. So we have three things there that we can express thanksgiving for. God, thank you that even my trial is making me complete. Thank you that every good and perfect gift is from you. And God, thank you for wisdom. Next we come to the third letter there, and that is R. Okay, so we've forgiven others, but there's still somebody in the equation that needs to be forgiven right? That's, I need to be forgiven. So repentance, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. From whence come wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence even of your own lust, that war in your members? 
You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulteresses. James is going in right now. Know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God? Whosoever there will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwells in lust, uh, in us lusteth to envy, but he give us more grace. All right. In other words, there's room now to make it right. James calls us out for all the sin that is in the church, but he says, guess what? There's, there's grace that is there. He says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves. I'm going down to verse 10. In the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So first, I got rid of the grudges out of my spirit. I forgave that person that, that didn't shake my hand. I forgave that person out there in the community that cut me off. I, I got rid of the grudge out of my spirit. Then I, I gave thanks unto God. All right, I expressed gratitude unto God because everything that I'm going through is helping me to become more complete. I expressed gratitude to God because every good and perfect gift comes down from him. And now I'm positioning myself. Yes, these things that are listed there, we, we might say, well, I, that, that's not me. Well, if we were to really dig into this chapter, James covers that, and he says, if you're guilty of one infraction of the law, you're guilty of all the law. All right? So, well, I've never committed adultery. Well, if you lied, you, you're guilty of all the law. All right? Under the New Testament covenant, if you've broken one commandment, you're guilty of all of them. But guess what? There's grace. There's room for us to repent. If we'll humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he will exalt us, all right? So the third thing that we're going to do is we're going to repent. We're going to ask God to forgive us. We're going to take advantage of grace. Not take advantage of in an abusive way, but because there's room tonight for us to repent. Again, in what attitude? Fervent. Fervent. Again, that's still the underlying theme of this prayer. Next is virtue. The virtue of patience. Here, here's where we were, I, I was always told, don't pray for patience. But we're going to do that. We're going to pray for patience. I was always told, don't pray for patience because God hears that prayer. And there's only one way to learn patience, and that is through persecution. Right? That, that is, right, we learn, we learn patience not when there's nobody in front of us in line. It's when the line is forever and it's not moving. And we move to the other line at Walmart, and then that one stops moving. And then we move back to the other one, and that one stopped. That's how you learn patience. All right? So let's look at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. And, and patience isn't really just about waiting in line at Walmart. Let's look at what the Bible says about it. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. All right? That's patience. Patience is, isn't just that I'm enduring something and going through something, but it, it's, with a, it's with an expectation that Jesus is coming soon, all right? So when we're praying this, we're not just praying, God, help me to be more patient next week in line at Walmart. No, God, help me to remember that you're coming as soon, and everything that I'm going through right now is going to be worth it all, that I'm enduring the trial because I believe you're coming as soon. Amen? Be also patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another. Brethren, unless you be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. And we've read some of those verses already. So the first thing that we're going to do there is pray that God would bless us with patience. Okay, patience to endure. Anybody going through anything right now? Anybody working at a job that maybe there's some things not exactly the way you want them there? Maybe, maybe not everything is perfect in some relationship in your life right now? Well, we're going to pray, God, give me the patience to endure. All right, give me the patience, God, to hold out. And, 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 and the end of that verse, listen to what it says in verse 7. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard, here's why. Because you've heard of the patience of Job, and you've seen the end of the Lord. In other words, we've seen how it worked for Job. He was patient, he endured, and his end was better than his beginning. Amen. In the end, he had double everything that he had at the beginning. So in other words, God, give me patience because I believe that the end is going to be better than the beginning. I believe that I'm going to come out of this better than where I'm at right now. I believe that you're using this to exalt me. Amen? Patience. All right, next we're going to pray E, evangelistic prayers. What are evangelistic prayers? We're praying for the lost. James 5, 19 and 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner 
from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So we're going to pray evangelistic prayers when we get to this point. What are we doing? We're, we're calling out names of coworkers and neighbors. Specifically, James is referencing people that have walked in the truth but turned away. So we're praying for, Brother Scott, where are you at? Backsliders. All right? We're, we're praying for lost souls. Okay? That, that's what we're get doing when we get to... I don't need to spend a lot of time on that one because I think we're all familiar with that. But when we get to E, we're going to pray for lost souls. Okay? Next, we're going to... Uh, N is for needs. There you are, Brother Scott. Amen. Backsliders and lost souls. N is for needs. All right, let's look at James chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts. I think I got the wrong chapter. Hold on, let me look. Yep, that was, five. That was four I was reading from. Nope, that was five. Hold on. All right, let's go to the next verse. James 3, 17 through 18. I know that one's on, on spot. But the wisdom of God that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. All right, so when we get down to the needs, all right, we're, we're, we're praying for the benefits of wisdom. All right, we're, we're, God, I need, how many of you need wisdom? Okay, now here's the difference between the wisdom of men and the wisdom of God. Our wisdom, we, we get wisdom because of what we've been through. We get wisdom because we read history books of what others have been through. Our wisdom is past-oriented. But the wisdom of God, God doesn't live in time like we do. He lives in eternity. So God is able to give us wisdom that is not just past-based, but it's future-based. God knows what is coming. So when we pray for the wisdom that is from above, it's not past-oriented. It's not history book-oriented. It's God giving us wisdom to make decisions based on what is coming. I don't know about you, but if I've got to make a decision on what kind of wisdom I want, I don't want past-based wisdom. I want future-based wisdom. And so we're going to pray that God would give us wisdom. God, I need wisdom. How many of you are humble enough to say that? God, I need wisdom from above. What are, what are the attributes of godly wisdom? It, it says that they're pure. Those that have godly wisdom are pure. They're peaceable. They're gentle. They're easy to be entreated or easy to get along with. Now, this is still you praying it for you. Some of you are like, I know who I need to pray that for. No, this is you praying that for you. They're full of mercy. The fruit of, the fruit of good deeds. They, they're not partial. They don't have favoritism. They don't have hypocrisy in their life. And it says this, those that follow godly wisdom are going to reap a harvest of righteousness. And I don't know about you, but I want that. So, so when we pray for godly wisdom, all those attributes that we just, that we just read off from uh, James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, all of those attributes are going to be accomplished in our life, and we're going to get a harvest of righteousness. Amen. If you don't want that one, then send that one my way. All right? I, I want wisdom. Why? Because I want a harvest of righteousness in my life. I want a harvest of righteousness in my community. I want a harvest of righteousness in this church. I want a harvest of righteousness in your family. Amen? I want your families to reap a harvest. How do we get that? By praying for God to give us wisdom. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to... Let me, let me look and make sure. I think I got the verses right in my notes. Uh, five, okay, 13. It's 5, 13 through 18. All right? So I put 5, 5 through 6. It's 5 below that. I got it right. So if I had kept reading, I'd have got there. Okay, let, let's... Again, we're, we're under the, the topic of needs. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing song. Any sick among you? Let him call for the elders. Let them pray over him. The prayer of faith are going to save the sick. Confess your faults one to another. So again, I summarized it there. We're going to pray, number one, for wisdom from above. Secondly, we're going to pray for the afflicted and the sick to be healed. We're going to pray for those that are, that are a part of the body that have sinned. How many of you want those that have sinned to be able to find forgiveness? Amen. That's a, it's an elder brother self-righteous spirit that wants those that have fallen to stay down. The elder brother got mad when the prodigal son came home because he, he felt like he came back in and, you know, I've been here all this time. They didn't want the backslider to come. I pray if there's a self-righteous spirit in this church, we need to get rid of it. 
I want the backslider to come back in, and I want them to have equal inheritance. I want them to pick up right where they're left off. Amen? And so we're praying for those that have sinned to be able to find forgiveness, and that we may, it says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. If you have a fault in here, some, some find glory in exposing others' faults. They find glory in talking about one another's faults, gossip, slander criticism. Those spirits get into a church and they'll destroy a church. They'll bring division in no time. But a, 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 a church that is praying fervent prayers isn't saying, I want to tell somebody about that fault that I found out. They're, they're not looking for an opportunity to gossip or slander or criticize. You know what they're doing? They're saying, God, heal my brother of that fault. I, I, I become aware of a fault in my brother's life, but God, I'm asking you to heal them. God, fix that fault in their life so that they can be complete in you. And then lastly, Take action. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. I'm not going to read the whole passage. I've already gone five minutes over the time I told you that I would take. But when, when we look at this passage, what did I say, chapter 5? It's 2. I, I wrote it down. I said it wrong, but it's 2. I'm trying to hurry, so I'm all over the place. All right, but, but look at what James is saying here. What good does it do to talk about faith when you're not doing anything with it? James is saying, you're talking about all this faith that you've got, and around you there are people that are hungry. You've got riches, and you've got wealth, and you talk about what good Christians you are, but you're not doing anything with it. Paul is saying, uh, I'm sorry, James is saying, faith without works is dead. He's saying, listen, church, you want to talk about all the faith you got? Put it in action. All right, and here's what I want us to pray when we get to that. God, help this church to take action. Amen. It's not time to wait until the virus is over. It's not time to wait until the election is over. It's not time for us to wait for a better season. It's time for us right now to put our faith into action. Faith without works is dead. All right. I want to be a part of a church that's doing something. I want to be a part of a church that's reaching somebody. I want to be a part of a church that if I've got plenty, Lord, help me to find somebody who is in need that I can share my plenty to meet a need in their life. So I want us to stand together. Again, fervent is the under, fervence is the attitude. And so what I want us to do, we're going to take tonight, just kind of as a, a, a test run, we're going to take about three minutes on each topic. So the first thing we're going to do is with fervency. Now, fervency doesn't just mean loud, but it means there's passion. All right, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to ask God, get the grudge out of my spirit, Lord. Lord, if there's somebody who's done me wrong, and if you can think of a name right now, that's a, that's a pretty good indicator. If somebody's face, you know, somebody's walking across the screen of your mind right now, as I say, is, are you offended? And you, you can think of a, a face. There you go. All right. Has anybody done you wrong? Coworker, spouse, pastor, neighbor, whatever it might be. God, get the grudge out of my spirit. So I want us to pray that. Lord, I pray right now, God, that we would forgive Lord, I cannot be forgiven of you if I don't forgive. Lord, my Father in heaven cannot forgive me if I don't first forgive them that have trespassed against me. And so I'm asking you right now, Lord, every grudge, Lord, every offense that I have held on to, those that have done me wrong, whether they intended to or didn't intend to, whether they really did do me wrong or whether it's just something I perceived, I'm asking you right now to help me, God, to get the offense out of my spirit, Lord. That one that has offended me, that one that has done me wrong, I release them right now from the penalty. I release them right now from the penalty. They don't have to repay me. God, I'm releasing them right now, Lord. That one that hurt me deeply, that one, God, that disappointed me, that one that let me down, I'm asking you right now, God, to let your spirit do a deep work in me. I'm asking you right now to search my heart, oh God, as David prayed. Lord, and God, if there's any offense in my spirit, I'm asking you to help me right now, Lord. I'm fervently asking you, God, if I'm going to make it, Lord, through this time that we are in, if I'm going to make it through a time, God, when men are following after worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom, Lord, if I'm going to make it through a time, God, where the church is being persecuted, then there's got to be a fervency in my spirit, Lord, and I've got to get the grudge out of my spirit because the enemy will use that root of bitterness to defile me. And so I pray for every member of this church. I pray for every member of this 
body even as we're praying right now. I know we don't really understand how important this is. Many times we don't understand how crucial this is. That God, if we don't get offenses out of our spirit, it will defile us. Lord, it will turn us towards sin that we never thought we would commit. God, it will turn us into actions that we never thought we could participate in. And so God, we raise our hands right now in surrender. We ask you to search our hearts. God, I'm asking you right now if there's any offense, if there's any root of bitterness, if there's any root of bitterness, God, if there's something lingering in my spirit that I just can't get over. God, if there's something lingering in my spirit, God, that I... Lord, every time I close my eyes, it begins to bubble up to the surface. Every time I walk into church and I see that person, it begins to bubble up to the surface. God, I've got to, I've got to deal with that, Lord. Uh, fervently, Lord, I'm asking you to search my heart. Uh, fervently, God, I'm asking you to seek it out. Uh, and fervently, God, I'm asking you to give me grace to forgive those uh, that have trespassed against me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If there's a name right now, and I'm, again, fervently doesn't mean don't yell it right now. We don't need to know the name. But if there's somebody that you know, I want you to say, God, I release that person. I release that person right now from the penalty. I release them from the debt that they owe to me. I release them, God, from them having to repay me. I release them, Lord, right now. Grudge not. I'm getting the grudge out of my spirit. I'm letting it go. In the name of Jesus. Come on, it can be something small, it can be something huge, it can be something that's altered your life. It can be something that happened to you as a child that you haven't, but it begins by you saying those words, by you expressing it. I forgive them, I forgive them, I release them, I let them go, I release them from the penalty, I release them from the bondage of having to repay me for that debt of, what they, of the infraction that they caused in my life in the name of Jesus in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to move on to the next point. But I don't know that we understand what bitterness and offense does to our spiritual man. The Bible says that root of bitterness begins to spring up and it defiles. And I know we think, well, that, that, you know, that it doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to my faith. It applies to all of us. If we don't deal with bitterness... We don't deal with bitterness when it's a root and it's become a tree and the fruit of that is going to bear in our lives by defiling us. Next, we're going to express gratitude unto God. All right, we're going to give God thanks. We're going to thank him. First thing we're going to do is thank him for the trial because it's bringing about patience and that patience is bringing about, it's making me complete. It's, it's bringing about the perfect work of God in my life. So I want us to thank him. God, thank you for the trial. Thank you, for, thank you for COVID, God. I don't understand it right now. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how you're using it, but I do know if you allowed it to come, then it's a tool in your hand that you're using to make me more perfect. God, you're using the trials that we're going through right now as a church. You're using it to make us more complete as a church. You're using it, God, if we endure. If we endure, then God, you're using it, God, to work patience in us, that ability to endure Hallelujah, so that we can become perfect, so that we can come, become complete, so that I can be everything you created me to be. And God, I don't want to be anything less than everything you created me to be. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you. Can we thank him for the trial? I know we can thank him for the pay raise. I know we can thank him for the new car. But can you thank him when the car breaks down? Can you thank him when you got to get new tires and brakes on the car? And you weren't expecting to. Can you thank him for the trial and the tribulation? Can you thank him for the testing of your faith? Hallelujah. That, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't understand that doctor's report. I don't understand why I'm going through this. But, God, I know that it's a part of your plan for my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let's thank him because every good and perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from the... Come on, I want you to thank him right now for every blessing. Come on, thank him for that car that you drove up in tonight. Thank him for that home that you live in. Come on, Maggie Marie, we thanked him on Sunday because you got into that new place. Come on, if you got a roof over your head, you got something good. And you didn't get it from your job, you got it from the Father above. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God. I thank you for every good gift. I thank you for the relationships, Lord. I thank you for my wife. 
I thank you for my children, God. I thank you for the leaders of this church. I thank you for every member of this church, God. Those are good and perfect gifts that would not be in my life if it had not been for you. Just for the next 30 seconds, can we express gratitude unto God? Uh, come on, for the next 30 seconds, can we thank him? It might be through a hand clap. Uh, it might be through raised hands. But with fervency, with fervency, can we express gratitude? Uh, Lord, I thank you. This is how we overcome. This is how we make it through the fiery trial. This is how we make it through tribulation. We thank you because you're the giver of every good gift. We thank you, Lord, with a fervency in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. We're thankful. God, we're putting energy into our thanksgiving tonight because you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. Amen. Amen. And we're going to repent. We're going to repent. We're going to ask God to forgive us. He said all of the adultery and the lust that is going on that wars within you. But there's grace. Come on, if you've ever been guilty of one sin, according to James, you're guilty of all of them. But guess what? There's grace. And Lord, I know, I know nobody else in here, James writing there, it may not apply to anybody else, but it applies to this man. Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I know, God, that on a daily, on a daily basis, Lord, I fall short of the glory of God. Lord, I know the harder that I try to do it in and of myself, the harder that I try to accomplish righteousness in and of myself, the more I learn I can't do it without your grace. God, I need your grace right now. God, for every thought that is not pleasing unto you, for every idle word that I have spoken, God, for every action, Lord, for everything that I have put my hands to, Lord, God, that did not further the kingdom of God, everywhere that these feet have run to, Lord, that did not further the kingdom of God, that were not in alignment with your purpose and your plan for my life, I ask you right now to forgive me, Lord. I ask you, God, and come on, in the Old Testament, they would dress in sackcloth and ashes. It was a fervent sign of their repentance. I'm not asking us today to dress in sackcloth and ashes, but there's got to be a fervency in our repentance. Come on, it can't just be a religious ceremony. It's not just saying the sinner's prayer. It's not just reciting some liturgical note, but it's coming from our heart. God, forgive me. Lord, I'm a sinner that needs your grace. But Lord, I thank you because James didn't stop there. He said that, God, you give grace, Lord, to those that are humble. Lord, that you exalt the humble. That there is grace available tonight no matter the magnitude of the sin. God, no matter the magnitude of my sin, there is grace available for me tonight. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. Come on, somebody in this room, there's grace for you. Come on, somebody in this room tonight, there's grace for you. But you can't get grace by just reciting some prayer. You don't get grace by just going through the motions. You get grace when there's fervency in your repentance. That God, forgive me for I am a sinner. God, forgive me for of all sinners I am chief. Lord, forgive me because if nobody else needs mercy, I need it. If nobody else needs grace, I need it. Lord, I pray, God, with fervency right now that you would forgive me of my sin. So one more time, can we raise our hands and ask him to forgive us? God, not just as an individual, but for this church, I pray right now. God, forgive us as a church. Forgive us as a congregation. Forgive us as a body of believers for every sin that is gone unjudged by your word. For every sin that we have allowed to linger among us. God, if we've allowed sin, God, to enter into the body, we ask you right now to forgive us, Lord. God, you see our humanity. You know that we are imperfect but Lord, I thank you right now because your word tells me that there is grace. There is grace. And those that will humble themselves, there is mercy. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come on. Come on, we're praying the book of James right now. We're praying with wisdom. Come on, we're praying the book of James right now. We're praying the fervent prayer of the righteous that accomplishes much. In Jesus' name, yes, God, forgive us of our sins. In the name of Jesus, now we're going to pray for the virtue of patience. God, help us to endure. Lord, we don't know what's coming. God, we don't know what's ahead of us. But I'm asking you right now to give us the ability to endure. In the name of Jesus, Lord, the last five months, God, have been a test of patience. Lord, we've had to endure things that we never thought we would endure. But I thank you, everybody that's here tonight, Lord, everybody that's in this building tonight. It's a testimony, God, that there is a spiritual 
attribute of patience that is being added to their lives. Lord, we're making it through uncertain times, God. Uh, we're, under, we're enduring through affliction. We're enduring through a pandemic, God, and we're continuing to put our trust in you. And Lord, with that patience comes the awareness that like Job, my end is going to be, be living hope. It's going to be better when we get through this than it was before we went into it. Come on, like Job, that's what patience is. That's what fervent prayers realize. It realizes that, God, if you'll just give me patience to endure, that my end is going to be better than my beginning. Uh, that, God, my outcome is going to be better than what I went through. Uh, in the name, I wonder if somebody can thank him for what you're going to be. I wonder, can you thank him for what you're going to be? Thank you, God. Uh, give me patience to endure because there is a prize at the end of this struggle. There is a prize at the end of what I'm going through. Uh, my end is going to be greater than what I'm going through, Lord. I thank you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to pray evangelical prayers. We're going to pray for backsliders and lost souls. Come on. James said at the conclusion of that portion of Scripture in verse number 20, He which converted the sinner from the error of his way is saving a soul from death. Right now your prayers, your fervent prayers are helping to save a soul from death. Not just the first death, but the second death. Your prayers right now, Lord, I pray for Aaron and Stephen, God. I pray for Jeffrey, Lord. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, for every backslider, God, that has stood for one service in this church. I pray for backsliders, oh God, that have walked away from you. Uh, I ask you, Lord, they followed after the wisdom of this world, but I'm asking you to convert them. I'm asking you, God, to turn them, Lord, from the wisdom of this world and turn them to the wisdom of God. I, I pray, God, for Mike Hawkins. I pray, God, for Francisco and Mandy Quedlin, God. I, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray, God. I, Lord, I pray for that man at the gym that I've been witnessing to lately, Lord. I, I don't even know his name yet, but, God, I know you're dealing with him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray, oh, God, save that lost soul. Come on, living hope, we have to pray evangelistic prayers. we got to pray for lost souls. Uh, oh, God, I pray those people that you have placed in my life. Uh, I pray for Tom, oh, God, the waiter at Longhorn. Uh, I pray, God, that you would save Tom, Lord. Uh, I pray that you would save Tom, from, Lord, from hellfire, oh, God. I pray that you would save Tom from an eternity without you. Uh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Uh, if you've got a backslider in your family right now, I want you to stand upon the Word of God. I want you to stand upon the Word of God. Come on, God is going to reach them. We're going to pray those evangelistic prayers. We're going to pray fervent prayers for unsaved souls. And God is going to convert them. God is going to save them. But there's got to be a church praying. There's got to be a church praying. There's got to be a church calling those names out. There's got to be a church that still cares about the lost. In the name of Jesus, call your neighbor out right now. Call the names of your co-workers out right now. That co-worker that you think might be the furthest thing from God. The governor would tell you they're not thirsty. But I want you right now to call their name out anyhow because you don't know what God is doing. I pray for those 10 Bible studies that our young people are teaching right now. I pray, God, let the seed of your word fall upon fertile ground. Hallelujah. God, let it bring forth good fruit in the name of Jesus. God, let it bring sinners to repentance. Hallelujah. Let it bring somebody this Sunday to waters of baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost pulling something in out of our spirit right now. I feel God placing a burden upon this church for lost souls. Come on, if we don't pray for them, who's going to? If the church doesn't get, doesn't get fervent about lost souls, who's going to? Come on, the world isn't going to get fervent about their salvation. Come on, the world isn't going to get fervent about backsliders coming back home. That burden rests upon the shoulders of the church. We can't pray halfway prayers. There's got to be a fervency in the spirit of this church. 
Oh, God, save them. Whatever you got to do, save them, Lord. Whatever you got to do, God, tonight, make them uncomfortable in their sin. Oh, God, whatever you got to do tonight, Lord, don't let them be able to sleep. Turn their bed into a rock. Lord, turn their pillow into a boulder, oh God, that they would not be able to rest. Let their dreams be troubled, oh God. In the name of Jesus, make them aware of your soon coming, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody, right now, you're saving a soul from death. Right now, through your prayers, you're helping to save a soul from death. Right now, through your fervent prayers, you're helping to save a soul from death. Come on, there, there's, a, there's a spirit of intercession that is coming into this building right now. Come on, there's a spirit of intercession. There's power in your fervent prayers. Fervent prayers avail much. Come on, we're accomplishing something in the spirit right now. When you begin to pray fervently for lost souls, it avails much. Come on, we can't just pray halfway prayers. There's got to be a fervency. In the name of Jesus, travail. Come on. Come on, barren, cry aloud. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, save them, oh God. Save Big Mike, oh Lord. Save Julia. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, why don't we yield ourselves right now to that spirit of intercession? Why don't we yield ourselves right now to the spirit praying through us, making intercession? In the name of Jesus, God, if you need a vessel to intercede right now, I yield myself unto you, God. Use me. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart right now. In the name of Jesus, somebody right now, oh God, who is close to the edge, somebody right now who is standing on the threshold of eternity, oh God, I pray, Lord, make me uncomfortable to pray for their soul. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to ask you throughout this week, I want you to take this card and I want you, when you get down to that, you can pray five minutes, you can pray two minutes, maybe you'll pray one minute over one. Maybe five minutes, maybe you've emptied out the grudges, you don't have to spend five minutes there. If you're dealing with a grudge, you need to spend as long as it takes there. But when you get down to that need, when you get down, there's a spirit of intercession, God, we're not going to see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on Sunday until we're praying prayers of intercession on Thursdays and on Fridays and on Saturdays. Holy Ghost is the harvest of intercession that's taking place throughout the week. So why, why aren't we having more people get the Holy Ghost, Pastor? We need to sing better songs. That's not what brings a harvest of souls. We need better preaching. That's not, even that's not what brings a harvest of souls. What brings a harvest of souls is inconvenient, fervent intercession throughout the week where we begin to pray fervent prayers for lost souls. So I'm asking you, when you get to that point, linger. Let God put a burden on you, and you'll be surprised. You start praying for somebody, and God opens the door. Next, we're going to pray for needs. All right, first, I want us to pray for wisdom from above. And then we're going to pray for the sick to be healed. Those that are, that are a part of the body that have sinned. Amen. God, don't strike them dead. Amen. I, pr I pray you don't do that because I might be the one that needs mercy. God, forgive them. Amen. Those that, if there are faults in this building tonight, amen. I know, well, confess your faults to one another. We have to use wisdom there, okay? We prayed for wisdom first. That doesn't mean you just walk around telling everybody your faults. Okay, but what it does mean is we're going to pray right now for one another that God will, if you have a fault in your life, I want God to heal you of that fault. I want God to help you to overcome. I want to talk about your fault. I don't want to tear you down. I don't want to gossip about you and slander about you. You know what I want to do in this atmosphere? I want to pray for you, that God would help you. So let's pray. God, give us wisdom. Lord, we need godly wisdom in this time that we're living in. Lord, history books don't help us with what we're facing now because we're going through things that humanity has never faced before. We're going through things, Lord, that certainly in our lifetime we've never seen before. 
Lord, it's a new, it's a new environment. It's a new season. And so the wisdom that's derived from history books, the wisdom that's derived from our past experience doesn't work in this season. We need godly wisdom. We need wisdom from above. Lord, the attributes of godly wisdom, Lord, it ends in a harvest of righteousness. And so, Lord, I'm asking you, God, give me godly wisdom. Godly, God, give me wisdom in how I speak to others. Give me wisdom, O oh Lord, in how I respond, Lord, to others. Give me wisdom in how I respond through social media. Hallelujah. Lord, I know I could just respond and regurgitate a bunch of stuff, but, Lord, I'm asking you in this season, we need wisdom. God, we need godly wisdom. We need you to give us wisdom in how we interact with other people because, God, if you will give us godly wisdom, the end of that is a harvest of righteousness. And, Lord, I want a harvest of righteousness in southern Maryland. Lord, I want to see thousands added to the kingdom. Lord, I want to see hundreds added to the kingdom. And that comes through godly wisdom. When we apply godly wisdom, the end of that is a righteous harvest, a harvest of righteousness. Lord, I'm asking you for the sick to be healed. God, the afflicted to be healed. Real quickly, as you continue praying, Brother Jesus called me before church and said Sunday in the middle of service for about four months, he's had elbow pain. He could barely move his arm, but he's, he's been dealing with this pain. He had a brace on Sunday. And in the middle of church, God moved on him. Amen. I think it was Sister the Ostalina went and prayed for him, and instantly God healed him. He said it's, it's not 100% yet, but he said he took that brace off, and now he can move his arm, and it's mostly pain-free. God healed the afflicted. Amen. If there's anybody here tonight, I pray God would heal the sick. Lord, I pray for Sister Barry right now. I rebuke leukemia in the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord, I pray for the sick that are among us right now. Uh, I pray for a spirit of healing, God. I pray for the gift of healing to be released upon this church. Uh, Lord, from leukemia to a headache, God, uh, whatever the affliction might be, whatever the sickness may be, we take authority right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, oh, God, and we pray fervent prayers right now for those among us that are battling with sickness in their body. I, I pray for Brother Junior as he recovers, God, from that surgery. I pray for your healing touch, Lord. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Sister Angelita, God, for her recovery. Oh, God, from the issues that she is having with her heart. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Brother Silvati. In Jesus' name, uh, God, we rebuke the diagnosis of cancer from his body. In Jesus' name, God, I pray for those that are sick and afflicted that they might be healed. Uh, can somebody right now fervently pray for healing? Come on, can we pray that there would be a gift of healing released upon this church? We need to start seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. We need to see cancers cast off. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, those that are a part of the body that have sinned. I want us to pray right now. I don't need to know what the sin is. It's, if you confess your sin to me, I can me forgiving you doesn't make you right with God. There's only one that can forgive you that makes you right with God, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ is the only one that can forgive you of sin. But I want to pray right now. If you've committed sin in this church, I'm asking that God would send mercy your way. I'm asking that God would send mercy your way. I'm asking that God would send mercy not just to rid you of the guilt, but to turn you from that sin. If you're involved in sin in this church, I'm asking you right now, I'm asking that God would send his spirit to where you are. Come on, if there's sexual immorality taking place in your life, I'm asking that God would send mercy to you because if you don't turn from that sin, you cannot be saved. And so I'm asking right now that God would forgive you. I'm asking right now that God would turn you away from your sin and turn you toward repentance. And if there's a fault... There's a fault. If you've got a fault in your life, I pray, God, let us not get a hold of an elder brother's spirit. God, let us not get a hold of an elder brother's spirit where we criticize and slander and gossip and accentuate one another's faults because the truth is we all have faults. God, none of us are perfect. None of us are everything yet that you've designed us to be. God, we're all in the process. And so we could all accentuate one another's faults. But James said, if you'll begin to pray fervent prayers, and those fervent prayers are that, God, you would heal the faults of my brother. You would heal the fault of my sister. So I rebuke the elder brother's spirit in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and I release grace in this church. Lord, and I pray that you would heal, Lord, if there are faults in my brother's life, if there are faults in the lives of these leaders, 
I pray that we would not find glory out of uncovering their fault, but God, that we would find glory out of praying for healing for their faults. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, would you just stretch your hands out just around this church right now? I just want us to pray symbolically for the faults of those around us. If you don't feel comfortable, point them right at me. Because I promise you, if nobody else has them, I've got faults. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the understanding. I have all the knowledge. Amen. I'm not, most of the time, I'm not the leader that I need to be. I've got faults. But I, I I hope that instead of you pointing out my faults, I pray that you would love me enough to pray that God would heal me. And I pray that we would feel that way for one another. Come on, let us find no glory out of exposing one another's faults. But let us find glory out of praying that God would heal one another of our faults. Heal my brother, Lord. Heal my sister. Make them more complete in you, God. Make them more perfect in you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. And lastly, before we leave here tonight, and this is it. We're going to go. And I'm asking us to put this prayer throughout the week into action. But I want us to pray, God, make us a church of action. We can talk about faith all day long. That's what James said. You, can, you talk the talk, but you're not walking the walk. Faith without works is dead. And I want us to pray, God, help me to take action. Amen. Help me to show kindness to those in need. Help me. That's where James talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. James says you need, you need to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. How many of you love yourself? Be honest. There are some things about me I don't like, but I promise you if this guy gets hungry, I'm going to feed him. Because I, 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 I kind of like this guy. Amen? So, God, help me to put action into my faith by loving my neighbor as I love myself. Help me to show mercy to those that are in need of mercy. God, help us to go to the hungry and the hurting. God, help us to put legs on our faith. Around us, there's a community that is waiting. And we can sit in here and have good church and talk about how full of faith we are. But until we're getting out there doing something with it, all we're doing is talking and it's dead. How do, you, how do you make it? Church, how do you make it through a season like this where it feels like oppression is turning? I'll tell you how you do it. You pray fervent prayers like God helps us to take action. So let's pray that. Jesus, I'm asking you right now, help us to be a church of action. Help us to be a church that doesn't just talk about loving our community, but a church that is actively doing it. Help us to be a church not that talks about the mercy of God, but a people that show mercy. Help us, God, not to be a church that talk about the grace of God, but a church that is actively showing the grace of God everywhere that we go. Lord, if all I do is come into this building and my faith only shines in this room, but then I walk back out of this room and I act like the rest of my world, my faith is dead. My faith is doing nothing. Lord, I'm not, I'm not going to make it through this season. I'm not going to make it through this time. I'm not going to make it through the trial of my faith. Lord, unless I get a hold of a fervent prayer, that says, God, help me to take action. Help me to love my world the way that you love my world. Help me to care about the lost the way that you care about the lost. Help me, God, to be drawn by compassion to the hungry the way that you were drawn with compassion to the hungry. In the name of Jesus, oh God, help us, Lord. Help us, God. I can't establish another program for the church. It's got to be something that resonates from in the spirit of this church. That, God, we've got to get out there. We've got to reach our city. We've got to love our community, God. We've got to love the broken. We've got to love the hurting. We've got to love the lost. We've got to compel them. We've got to go into the highways and byways and compel them that might, they might come. In Jesus' name. Come on, this is the proverb. This prayer we just prayed is wisdom, New Testament wisdom. I want us to thank God right now for what he's going to do as we continue to pray through this model of prayer. If you'll spend 30 minutes the rest of this, every day of the rest of this week praying this prayer, I'm going to tell you the result of praying fervent prayers is you have fervent services, which turns into fervent love, amen, which turns into fervent evangelism. And if we'll pray these prayers, and again, if you just, you know, God, yeah, forget it, gratitude, God, all right. No, the attitude behind it. You can't pray the fervent model without the fervency in your prayer. And if we'll pray these fervent prayers with a fervent outlook and a fervent attitude, when we walk in here Sunday, you know what's going to happen? The altar is going to be full. Not, not of me and you, but of sinners that have been drawn by the Spirit, that are hungry, 
that are hungry, that, are, that realize they're lost. And they say, I think there's a church there that's going to help me get where I am. If I walk in there and I've got a fault, they're not going to accentuate my fault. They're going to pray for me to be healed of that fault. Amen. So how are you going to help me this week? And we're going to pray fervent. We're going to pray the book of James. Amen. We're going to pray the principles of the book of James. And we're going to pray them with, everybody say, with fervency. All right. So don't, if you get out of bed at 4 in the morning and you're still groggy, wake up before you pray it. Okay, this isn't a groggy prayer model. It's a fervent prayer model. All right. Get your coffee. Wake up. Amen. Go outside when it's 45 and run around a little bit. Then come back in and pray fervent prayers. Are you all ready? Amen. You ready to do this? You ready to see God do great things through us? Come on. I know the governor says it's not time. Amen. But I believe it's time. It's the best time. It's the right time for the best. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you.